come on, come on, come on. Give it up for our worship team. Praise God. Are we blessed to have a wonderful worship team? Amen. 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 Now, we recently just finished uh, a mini-series on what is the church. And we looked at uh, some wonderful things that the Bible teaches us about what truly a church is supposed to be. Then, uh, after finishing that uh, mini-series, I was uh, uh, meditating on that because it was still fresh on my mind. And God asked me to uh, share at least one or two messages based on... Um, how should the people in the church be, amen, and address the people who come to worship in this church and um, encourage their heart to trust in God and depend on God for their breakthroughs. So I'm going to share one of those messages. I may or may not share the second message God put in my heart next week because Christmas is almost there. Usually in the month of December, I preach on Christmas related messages but I want to be obedient to the Holy Spirit and share this message with you. Now did you look at the title of uh, um, our message today? It's titled New Lessons from an Old Story. So you know that uh, I'm going to take you to an old story that all of you have heard about already and uh, one day when I was uh, listening, you know, you know, you guys know that I listen to audio Bible every morning and I was listening to the book of Daniel, and these thoughts came to my mind. And I thought it will be good to share with you. So, we will be in the book of Daniel this morning. And we will be sharing some life lessons from the life of Daniel. Now, why did I say or title this New Lessons from an Old Story? Because all of us know the story of Daniel. If you have been to church, I'm sure you have heard the story of Daniel. But at the same time, we also come to realize that Daniel lived 2,500 years ago. And what is there to learn about a man who lived 25, or from a man who lived 2,500 years ago? Because we live in a completely different world. Especially as we have ushered into the 21st century, we see the world we know is changing so fast. And the world is so different from 20 years ago. You know, forget about 2,500 years ago. The world is changing so fast, and um, no, none of us know where the world will be in 10 years. Uh, all the projections, uh, I, was, I was looking forward to see if this is going to be in the market this Christmas season, because you know all the new products come during the Christmas season. Uh, earlier in the year, they were projecting one was, uh, the projection was that within the next 10 years, at least 3,500, I mean 35% of all the families in America will have a robot maid. A maid who will do your work, but it will be a robot, okay, in the next 10 years. That's what they are projecting. So I was looking forward to, I was watching all the commercials on TV uh, whenever I saw them to see if... Uh, if a robot is on the market, it's not on the market yet, but it's coming. Okay, so the world will be so different in 10 years. So why bother looking at a man who lived 2,500 years ago? Well, the funny thing about life is that on one side, life has changed so much, but on another side, life is still the same. All of us have the same problems, like the people we meet in the pages of the Bible. Most of our fundamental problems are the same. So there are a lot of practical lessons that we can learn from these characters that we come across in the Bible. So I want to quickly share six different lessons that you can learn from the life of Daniel, practical lessons that you can learn from the life of uh, Daniel this morning. The first lesson is that things don't always go as you expect. Do you agree with me? Okay, then turn to somebody and say, things will not always go as you expect. Now, in the, in the first chapter of Daniel, as the story of Daniel and his friends unfold in the pages of the Bible, we know that they were in a land called Babylon. 
now uh, they did not want to be in babylon they were forced to be in babylon because these were princes you know kids from princely families and royal families who just wanted to enjoy the royal life in judea and jerusalem but because of the things that were going on in their own country the king nebuchadnezzar of babylon came attacked their country defeated their country not in one step i want to take you i didn't prepare notes for you because it's a simple story style message that's why i didn't prepare the message but at the same i hope you can read the scripture portions on the screen if you look at second uh, chronicles chapter 36 which is the which gives us the historical background of daniel chapter 1 we will see that uh, the destruction of jerusalem did not happen in one strike it happened in three different steps when even when nebuchadnezzar came to jerusalem and originally defeated jerusalem he did not utterly destroy that nation he actually wanted <clears throat> just to place a while a king there someone who will run the country for him and he appointed one of the royal members to continue to rule there but just be faithful to him just be faithful to him and give them a tax every year so it, the nation was not completely destroyed in one step and but this king that he whom he left on the throne was not loyal to nebuchadnezzar as soon as nebuchadnezzar and his army left he started revolting against him refused to pay the tax that he agreed to pay etc so nebuchadnezzar came back a second time and uh, and and attacked this nation again and took these people again and put a 8 year old little boy on the throne i want you to go home and read second chronicles chapter 36 it's an amazingly funny chapter funny because it's tragic okay because it's a 8 year old boy he left on the throne even though there were older people in the royal family you know why he did that he purposely did that because this is a little boy he will listen to me and he will do what i am asking him to do but you know what the bible says this little boy also revolted, revolted. and the bible says he did evil things in the sight of the lord and i kept scratching my head what can an 8 year old boy do that is evil in the sight of the lord but when the society is changing so fast society is going away from god so fast you know the even the little kids get polluted am i telling the truth yes. amen now when i first came to this country uh, in the 77 um, you know the the big concern was kids going to college and i have shared with you from this pulpit that that's what led me to start a youth ministry in this country that was the beginning of my ministry i never expected to be a pastor but then it grew to different heights and ended up as a pastor but my reason for starting that youth ministry was a lot of kids in our community was fresh in this land and they were planning to go to college and they did not know what college was like and i was in college in in this country so i knew what is the culture there so i wanted to help them to prepare themselves not to compromise their testimony not to compromise their stand not to compromise their faith and continue their faith in college that was the goal of the ministry that we started but then when we came to the 90s all the young people came to me and said pastor don't worry about college college is not the issue now high school is the battlefield now so we have to help the kids in high school so we started you know doing things with the high school kids now as we entered into the 21st century in last decade that thing was changed again and they said no no high school is not the battlefield anymore by the time kids reach high school they are already veterans the real battlefield is in middle school what age of your children go to middle school 10 to 12 do you know that's the battlefield in this country now that's our high, that's a that's our highest class in sunday school here and that's why as a church we have an awesome responsibility to prepare our children to face the realities of life amen and we know this uh, wherever they turn there's so much input of evil coming into their lives 
everyone encouraging them to compromise the whole world is encouraging them to compromise you know the school system is encouraging them to compromise the media is encouraging them to compromise if the church don't prepare them to face the realities of life where else they going to get get the lesson from and that's why we encourage our people to bring your children to sunday school every sunday you know all we get is 45 minutes a week how much we can put into them in 45 minutes a week and that's why we started this family friday on on friday evenings but how many of you bring your children on friday evenings so we get a little extra time to have some godly input into their lives amen because let me tell you when the children i mean when the when the world get evil even little children get polluted amen you will be surprised how many how much an 8 year old know in our generation you will be surprised totally surprised how much an 8 year old know in our generation but you know it is not a new thing you know 2500 years ago this king nebuchadnezzar put a 8 year old little boy on the throne hoping that he will listen to him but he didn't the bible says he did evil in the sight of the lord and because of that the nebuchadnezzar had to come back a third time and this time he was really mad that's the time he totally destroyed jerusalem totally destroyed judea jerusalem destroyed the temple and took everything in the temple with him back to babylon and took a lot of people as captives and daniel and his friends were captives among them that's how they ended up in babylon so look look daniel this is very interesting when you read second chronicles chapter 36 you see people were doing evil in the sight of the lord the kings were doing evil in the sight of the lord and the priests were doing evil in the sight of the lord it specifically mentions there even the religious system was corrupted and the jerusalem temple was corrupted the religious ceremonies were going on but it has lost all of its meaning but when we come to the book of daniel we know that the daniel was not corrupted daniel was a godly young man his three friends that we read in that book shadrach meshach abednego abednego were not corrupted they were godly young men but when the whole society gets get punished you also get caught up in that are you with me amen, amen. that's why we need to pray for this country that's why the new testament tells us apostle paul told us pray for the people in rulership so that you can live a peaceful life <coughs> when, the, when if the peace in that we enjoy in america is gone we will also be caught up in that do you know that if america go to war it going to affect all of us amen so we need to pray for the peace of this land where god has brought us because only as long as this nation has peace we will have peace even though daniel and shadrach meshach and abednego were godly young people because majority of the people in the community in their generation were corrupted and were doing evil things in the sight of the lord the whole nation went into captivity and they were dragged along with the rest of the nation in that judgment that's the background of the book of daniel when we come to daniel chapter 1 we realize that things don't go always as you expect but sometimes you cannot help it you just have to be ready to go with the flow amen so once again turn to somebody and say things may not always go the way do you expect <laughs> hallelujah let's amen let's go to the next slide and the second practical lesson i want to give you is this you see even even though things don't go the way you expect things are not always as bad as it initially looks why because in the midst of a wicked and crooked and perverse generation if i may for uh, borrow a phrase from uh, apostle peter in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation where the priests were doing evil things when the royals were doing evil things majority of the people were doing evil things daniel shadrach meshach and abednego lived a godly life because they lived a godly life even though they were also caught up in the in the judgment where they ended up they took god's favor with them are you listening to me this morning 
So you may turn around and ask a question, Pastor, if the whole world is going evil, what's the point in me alone being a righteous person? Remember, who asked that question originally? Prophet Elijah asked that question originally. And he said, the whole nation is wicked. I alone are righteous. Which was one, only me is left. And what did God say? No, no, Elijah, you're wrong. There are 7,000 people who haven't bowed to the image of Baal yet in this country. Amen? So, so this is what I want you to share with you. So you may also end up in a judgment. If the majority of the society do evil and God decide to judge this nation, this nation, one day this nation may be judged. Even last night I was thinking about that. When I was going over this message, it was 25 years ago that uh, Billy Graham said in one of his messages, in one of his crusades, that if God doesn't judge America, he will have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. Because we have much, much more worse sins than Sodom and Gomorrah going on in this country. So if God is a righteous judge and God judged Sodom and Gomorrah, you know, how can he you know, blink his eyes? At uh, America, modern America, he cannot. So one day, this nation may be judged. It bothers me a lot. You know why? Because I have five grandchildren. And I don't want my grandchildren to be caught up in a judgment over this nation. None of you want your children or your grandchildren to be caught up over a judgment or, or that, that may come on this nation. But if the majority... If the majority of the people are doing wicked, if the rulers are doing wicked things, because God is a righteous God, he have to judge that nation. Amen? Righteousness will exalt a nation, and wickedness will pull down a nation. So that is a simple reality. But in the midst of that, I want to encourage you. This is what, how I want to encourage you. If you are praying for your children, every single day of your life. If you stand in the gap for your children, it doesn't matter what is going to happen to this country 10 years from now, 20 years from now, God will not forget your prayers. Amen. Hallelujah. God will not forget your prayers. God will take care of your children. That is why it's so important to stand in the gap for our children. Amen. To pray and fast for our children. Because, you know, God will take care of them. Your prayers are never wasted. Yeah. Hallelujah. It is written in the book of remembrance before the throne of God. And God will deal with your future generations according to what you have done. According to how you have served him. In this country, we see the children of Abraham still being blessed. After 3,500 years. Later, the lifetime of Abraham, still enjoying the blessings. You know why? Because God is a God of generations. God is a God of generations. Amen. God is a God of generations. Hallelujah. So it doesn't matter where you end up in life. As long as God's favor is upon your life, you will be fine. Amen. Your children will be fine. Your future generations will be fine. You just have to make sure that God's favor is upon their lives. Amen. Hallelujah. And we know uh, so many stories from the Bible. You know, uh, two characters I have heard a, a lot about lately in recent years. One is Joseph and one is Daniel. <laughs> Especially in a church like ours where majority of the people are immigrants. You know, these, these, these stories really hit us. Amen. Because we, this is our story. We can identify with these stories. Amen. You know the story of Joseph. How he was betrayed by his brother, his own brothers. And he ended up in Potiphar's house. Then he ended up in jail. Then he ended up in palace. But what you notice in the, in the common characteristic in the life of Joseph is that wherever he went, he went in at the bottom of the totem board. A short time later, he was at the top of the totem ball. You know why? Because this boy was carrying the favor of God upon his life. It doesn't matter where you start. Amen. If God's favor is upon your life, you're going to rise. You're going to rise to the top. You're going to rise up. You're going to rise up. You're going to rise up. Amen. 
Do you believe God's favor is upon your life? How many of you really believe that God's favor is upon your life? Amen. Come on, come on. Let me see the hands of everyone who believe that God's favor is upon your life. So we're going to name, we're going to do a daring proclamation right now. Are you ready? Turn to somebody and tell them, watch me, I'm going to rise up. Hallelujah. 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 Some people will say that's a bombastic statement, Pastor. You shouldn't make statements like that from the pulpit. No, no. This is not a bombastic, bombastic statement. This is just a declaration of my faith because I know who I am. I know who I am in Christ. I know who I am in the plans of God. I know I'm a child of God. I know God's eyes are upon me. I know God's favor is upon me. And if God's favor is upon me, nobody can pull me down. 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 If God's favor is upon my life, I will rise up. I will rise up. Watch me. Watch me. Watch me. I will rise up. Not because of my ability. Not because of my education. Not because of my pedigree. Not because of my background. But because of the favor of God that rests upon my life. I will rise up. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know the story of the other slave girl. Amen. Esther. Who ended up as the queen of a, a large empire. Amen. It doesn't matter where you came from. It doesn't matter where you are today. If God's favor is upon your life. You're going to go up in life. You're going to rise up. You're going to rise up. Amen. Hallelujah. So turn to somebody and say. Things are not always as bad as it looks. Amen. Amen. And the third practical lesson. Let's go to the next slide. The third practical lesson from the story I want to share with you is this. Challenge to compromise is real. It comes at all levels. Amen. When Daniel and friends ended up in Babylon. And God's favor started working in their lives. And they were selected to attend the Royal Academy. Uh, where they were going to be taught administration, more like our modern-day MBA, uh, how to be in authoritative positions in, in this expanding empire. And they were all ended up in high positions. We know that Daniel ended up as a prime minister, and his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego ended up as governors. So they all ended up in very high positions because of the God's favor that was upon their lives. But when they went into the Royal Academy... You know, the first challenge that they faced in the Royal Academy was the challenge to compromise. You know, the people who were in charge of that academy said, listen, there's a standard that we had to keep for this academy. And part of that standard is eating the food that the king gives and the wine, drinking the wine that the king gives. Now, I am sure there is nothing wrong with the royal food because one time I was in uh, Abu Dhabi um, and... Uh, Abu Dhabi Sultan, main chef is an Indian guy. So from my home state of Kerala. So you know what happened? One day I'm in a house and uh, it's almost nine o'clock and they are not serving any dinner and I'm really hungry. You know, um, so eventually I kind of gave them a nudge. What time you usually eat dinner? You know, because I couldn't tell them I'm hungry. <laughs> so, so they said, don't worry, Pastor, don't worry. We are waiting for something. Um, we were waiting for your dinner. Um, and they didn't tell me what, what was going to happen. So we waited around 10 o'clock. A car load of food came. You know, I mean a whole lump. Whole lump from head to toe. The end of the lump, just skinned and roasted. Just like that. Was on the table. You know. And then all kinds of foods. And all kinds of fruits. I have never seen so much food. Fruits in my life. Fruits from all corners of the world. I mean, a whole table full of food. And, I, and we are just four people to eat. So I said, where do you get all this food? Why do you order so much food? And they said, no, we didn't order this food. This is from Sultan's kitchen. Because Sultan being Sultan, he always has to cook extra meal. 
because he cannot say we ran out of food if somebody show up at dinner time. So if the sultan and family need only one lamp, they usually cook four or five lamps in case somebody show up at dinner time. But many days nobody will show up. So at, after sultan and his family have dinner, the, the people who work in the kitchen can take this food home. So this guy being the chef, he collected all of the, knowing that I was going to be the guest that evening in a home, collected uh, all the choicest food he could find in the kitchen and brought it all to that home. And I couldn't believe. So they asked me, which part of this lamb you want? <laughs> because the whole lamb was there. Um, I mean, I will never forget, never forget. I have never seen, you know, a food spread out like that. Now, that, that's the day I really got, as a speaker, as a preacher, got in my mind a picture of what is a royal dinner. <laughs> Even before that, I have preached so many times about royal dinner, but I didn't know how a royal dinner looks like. Now I have a clear picture in my mind how a royal dinner looks like. That. So royal food is nothing wrong. I ate that and really enjoyed it. Um, but the problem in Babylon was that because it's an idol-worshipping nation, they always take the food first to the temple and offer it to their deity. And, and they, because they believe that, it's like we pray before we eat, they believe that their deity has blessed the rest of the food, and the rest of the food carries the deity's blessings. So, so that's why um, you know, Daniel and his friends had a problem. Okay, because this food was dedicated to this idol, whatever idol they worshipped at that time. Now, there were two, if you look at the screen, I hope you can read. There are two areas. I mean, when you look at uh, the life of uh, Jewish people in the Old Testament, there were five areas of separation that God demanded from them. Listen, in, in, in the Old Testament, they, don't have, they didn't have much of a choice. God demanded things from them. And God wrote it down in the book of the law. And there are five areas of separation that they had to maintain if they were going to be children of God. And I'm not going to go into the details of it because our time is running. Um, but one of the areas of separation was diet, in the area of diet. God told them in the book of Leviticus specifically what they can eat and what they cannot eat. And that's why we hear the word, you know, kosher food, kosher food. And when the Islamic religion came on the scene, they copied that. They copied that and they use a different word. You know, they call it halal, halal. And you, most of you know about halal, in, especially in this. In, and what we know about both of this, kosher food and halal meat, living in New York. Okay, but, the, but that, that was the only kind of food they were allowed to eat. So when this compromise came, it's a simple thing. It looks like a simple thing. Probably the supervisor told him, hey, who is going to know? Who is going to know you ate this food? You know, your people are not here. We only selected only a few of you to be part of this academy. And we had to maintain the standard of this academy. And this is the standard of this academy. You are not allowed to eat anything other than the royal food. And you are not allowed to drink anything other than the royal wine. But Daniel and his friends stood up and said, uh, sorry, we are, you know we are Jewish people and we have a law. And we have a con law concerning the diet we can consume. And we are only allowed to eat kosher food. And this is not kosher food. And number one, secondly, this is something that is dedicated to your idol. Because of that, we cannot participate in it. And the, and the supervisor was concerned. He said, listen, but the emperor will cut my head off. You know, if, they, if he find out that you guys are not eating and you guys are getting skinny, you know, uh, it's good to be religious. Do you have to be really so religious? You know, those are the real questions that people ask us, right? When you go to school, when you go to college, you know, in the, when you find yourself in a circumstance where people want you to compromise, these are the same questions people ask you. Do you have to be so religious? You know, why can't you compromise one time? Who is going to know that you did this? You know, I, I mean, we, um, you know, just be like everyone else. Come on, don't be a party pooper, you know. Just be like everyone else. I mean, we have heard all these arguments all our lives. That's where Daniel were. Daniel and his friends were. That's why I said these are new lessons from an old story. Because, you know, our, this, this month especially, 
I'm glad I, God gave me this message this month. Because this is the month of office parties. Hello? Right? Many of you work in offices and many of you, where you were, wherever you work, you may have office parties and you know that. You know, this is the month where booze really flows. Right? I mean, they have the biggest sale for liquor, hard liquor in the month of December. Unfortunately, it is associated with the Christmas. What does it have to do with Christ the King? <laughs> but, that, but the reality of the society in which we live is that this is the month where the booze really flows. Right? And because of that, and you have to go to your office party, and they have all kinds of stuff there, and, and they, are, they, were, they will say, hey, come on. You know, be the life of the party. Just enjoy. Just, just be part of it. You know, not, we are not asking you to get drunk. You know, just take one here, one here. You know, I mean, all kinds of... The, the, the challenge to compromise is real in our lives. Especially in a month like this. It's real. Amen? And, but, but the question is, if we, you, are you willing to stake it all? Stake it all. For the sake of your testimony. Because listen, these were, these, were, these were slave boys. They were brought into that country as slaves. They absolutely, actually had no rights. But from that condition, now they are in the Royal Academy. They have been already elevated, as I shared with you earlier, because of the favor of God that they carried upon them. They are, they are, they are in the Royal Academy. And probably even their own friends would tell them, listen man, don't mess it up. Don't you guys understand where you are right now? What a high position you have right now. You know, don't you see all the future potential you know, this gives you? Don't mess it up over this meal, man. Don't be so religious. Don't let your religion mess up your future. I mean, people, I'm pretty sure people came up with all kinds of arguments with them. But you want to know what they said? They said, uh, we're going to stake it all for our faith. And they turned around to the supervisor and said, just give us vegetables and water for 10 days. Just do it a test. Amen. Just give us vegetables and water for 10 days. And after 10 days, compare us with our friends who ate royal food. And if you are getting really skinny, then we will talk about it. So finally the guy agreed. And for the next 10 days, they had nothing but vegetables and water. I know many of you, some of you, at least some of you are vegetarians. But I don't know, even vegetarians can live on vegetables and water alone. You know, I don't know. But they did. They did. And the funny thing is, at the end of 10 days, they looked at them and they said their countenance looked better. It was shining better than the people who ate the royal food and was drinking the royal wine. Do you think because uh, it is because of the special vegetables? No. So what is the reason? What do you think is the real reason? When you stand up for God, God will honor you. When you choose to stand up for God, God will honor you. Amen. Amen. If somebody threatens you, listen, if you act like this, you're going to lose your job. I, let me tell you, if God gave you that job, nobody's going to take that job away from you. Yeah. Hallelujah. Amen. Someone, some people may come and advise you. Amen. And acting like your friend and they may say, listen, don't lose your job for your church or what your church teaches or what your pastor teaches. You know, you have to change. To be part of this culture. But then you have to have the boldness to stand up and say, I know who I am. Amen. I am a child of God. I'm going to stay as a child of God. Wherever I am. In whatever condition I am. In whatever circumstances I find myself. I will remain a child of God. Because my future is not controlled by this job. My future is not controlled by this company. My future is in the hand of the one who holds it tomorrow. Hallelujah. God will always honor them that honor him. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. So, not to forget the principles. Turn to somebody and say, temptation or challenge to compromise is real. 
Amen. All right. The fourth, fourth lesson. Fourth lesson. Okay. Now, when these kind of situations come, you need wisdom. <laughs> you need wisdom. Unfortunately, one of the areas where people fail, Christians fail, is they don't have wisdom. You know, they, what they do is they pull out the Bible right away and say, my Bible says. You know, you become a preacher. That's not wisdom. That's not wisdom. Don't quote a scripture at that time. Don't say, Ephesians 5, 12 says. Because they don't know what Ephesians is. They don't know where Ephesians is. You know, they don't know what you're talking about. That's not wisdom. Wisdom is what Daniel did. See, they talk nicely back to these people. And said, test us for 10 days. Give us a little time. And let's see what happens. And everyone agreed. Amen. So you need to have wisdom to handle the situation. Not only there. Not only there. When we come to chapter 2, we can see Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. And his, his advisors couldn't explain the dream to him. And the king, because the king forgot the dream. And he demanded they should... Remember the dream for him and then explain it. And they all said, we cannot do that. If you tell us the dream, we can give you an explanation. So the king got very mad and decided to kill all the people and all his advisors. Listen, by that time, all the wise men were going to be killed. And they came to kill Daniel and his friends too. What does that tell you? They had already completed their education in the royal academy. Now they were officially considered among the wise men in that, in that empire. Amen. They, were all, they already had a good name and a good recognition. And so they came to kill them also. And again they spoke wisely. You know, what was the word out of Daniel's mouth? Why is the decree so hasty? You know, anyway, you want to kill everybody. So what, what difference if you make kill us today or kill us tomorrow? You know? And they were, what they were trying to do? Again, they wanted to buy little time and you know that's wisdom you have to handle wisdom amen and that's why the bible tells us that wisdom is more precious than rubies and gold amen and the bible tells us very put a high high priority on wisdom and wisdom and knowledge is not the same most of us have knowledge but very few of us have wisdom amen many people who Go to PO and take a PhD has less wisdom than a wise man with a fifth grade education. Okay? So your knowledge does not give you wisdom. Wisdom comes from God. Amen? So if you are a child of God, what should be your prayer? Lord, give me wisdom. Give me wisdom. Remember the prayer of Solomon? Solomon prayed, God, give me wisdom. So we, we, if you have wisdom, then you can handle all kinds of situations. So they came to, to, uh, uh, to these people who came to kill them. Instead of panicking, they dealt with them with wisdom. And they talked nicely to them and said, just give us a few days. Go back to king and tell him to give us a few days. And we will try to find the dream and the answer. And listen, the, the, when I was reading that chapter again this week, as in preparation for this message, two, two, two passages from chapter 2 stood out. One that says that, that they, uh, they wanted to uh, seek mercies from God or heaven concerning this secret. What does that mean? That means Daniel also didn't know what it was all about. Because he was not initiated into that level of spirituality yet. Daniel and his friends were young people. You know, they were just, just graduated from the Royal Academy and that's all they knew. They were good in administration because they had already received their training. But they were not spiritual giants yet. They were not initiated into that level of spirituality. So they, to them also it was a secret. And they, they said, uh, you know, give us a little time that we may seek, we may seek mercies from the God of heaven concerning this secret. That means if God is willing, he can do this for us. If God is willing, he can reveal the dream to us. Now listen, listen, listen. All of us have dreams, right? 
all of all of you had plenty of dreams in your life okay and some nightmares also so let's talk about the good dreams have you ever heard a story of my dream let's say i had a dream 2 weeks ago and i forgot what that dream is next morning when i got up i, I knew i had a nice dream only if i could remember have it ever happened to you <laughs> it has happened to all of us right <laughs> next morning we wake up we know we had a nice dream only if we could remember what it was okay that's where nebuchadnezzar was all right but nebuchadnezzar being a very impatient king he was ready to kill everyone <laughs> because he was so upset that he forgot the dream so but let me ask you something let me ask you something have you ever heard of a story where i had a dream nice dream or bad dream whatever and then that same dream was transplanted into your mind think think for a second what i'm saying have you ever get heard of an incident in human history where you had a dream and then that same dream was transplanted into somebody else's mind it doesn't happen in human history right we we may we ourselves may remember the dream a month later and and then we go back to our partner and say oh now i remember this was the dream that i forgot but we never hear of your dream being transplanted into somebody else's mind that's what daniel was praying for are you with me are you thinking with me so look at the impossible task these young people faced to save their neck in order for them to be spared god had to transplant the same dream that nebuchadnezzar had one night into daniel's mind it never happened in human history but that's that's what daniel was praying and his friends were praying lord nothing is impossible with you Amen nothing is impossible with you even though this request sounds so crazy you are able to do even this and they prayed earnestly and it happened all of a sudden daniel had that same dream and the next morning daniel got up called his friends and said we are ready let's go and visit the king there's nothing impossible with our god folks nothing impossible nothing impossible with our god Amen it doesn't it may sound ludicrous some of our prayers may sound ludicrous to an unbeliever but people who know the lord will stand firm and will do exploits you know why nothing is impossible with our god the next morning they were in the king's palace saying king we know the dream and we have the explanation and they gave the explanation you know the story and um, and the king was so surprised and the king concluded there's no other god besides the god of these jewish boys amen yahweh is the true living god and he wrote a long letter explaining everything to the all parts of his kingdom and said i want all of you to pray to this god because there is no god like this can you imagine this god transplanted the same dream i had into the mind of daniel amen who else can do that so let's all pray to this god that nation is going through a revival because of the trial that daniel and his friends went through are you with me amen many times we don't know why god allows us to go through things in our lives He has his own reason. He has a plan. He has a purpose. Sometimes you have to pay a great price for the blessing of many others. Amen. Hallelujah. And the nation is going through a spiritual revival because of that. And they not only got their life spared, they all got promotions and they ended up in very high positions in that uh, empire. Lesson number 4. This is number 5, right? This is lesson number 5. and um, and you know what is the fifth practical lesson i want to give share with you challenges will come again <laughs> hello how many of you have gone through repeated challenges in your life sometimes you go through a challenge one time and you passed and pray and you believe it's over and you know you had a victory and you think everything is going to be smooth from now on only to see the challenge show up again amen that's where daniel was in chapter 3 look in chapter 3 chapter 2 he got great great recognition 
you know, um, in the kingdom, Daniel and his friends got great recognition in the kingdom. They are all promoted and elevated. And, and, and the king himself is praying to their God now. But by the time we came to Daniel chapter 3, change, situations changed again. Listen to me. You heard earlier my wife sharing about Bonke. You know I've been to many nations in Africa. I love traveling to Africa. I'm planning to go there again next year. Okay, because you see some tremendous, tremendous real children of God in that continent. We are extremely poor but extremely pious. Really on fire for God. So I always enjoy traveling to Africa. And yesterday when I started hearing about the demise of uh, Reynard Bonke, because I, I've been, I've seen so many pastors who have been, who have worked with him in crusades there. One thought came to my mind. One thought came to my mind. If this man, if this man was able to lead 75 million people to Christ, how come Africa didn't change? Are you with me? I want you to think what I'm saying. How come Africa didn't change? What's the story we hear from Africa these days? His greatest crusades were in Nigeria. Nigeria. Where in one crusade, he may see 1.2, 1.4. The largest crusade that he had in Abuja, he saw more than 2 million people come to Christ in one crusade. But what's the story you hear from Nigeria these days about Boko Haram, Christians and Muslims fighting, Islamic terrorists killing Christian priests, kidnapping girls from Christian boarding schools. And I kept thinking, Lord, if this man led so many millions of people to Christ, how come this nation didn't change? How come this continent didn't change? Forget about the corner. At least this one nation who had his biggest impact didn't change and become a totally a Christian nation. You know why? Unless somebody in authority, listen to me, unless somebody in authority change, nation cannot change. I want you to pay attention. Unless people in authority change, a nation will not change. You know, Christians always, even Christians, you know, who are firebrand Christians, always condemn Constantine, Constantine, um, and say that he brought in a lot of uh, wrong things into Christianity. And, uh, you know, you hear all those arguments. But I am grateful for Constantine. I'm a Bible teacher and a Bible student. I think, I think before I say something. Do you know Europe became a Christian continent because Constantine became a Christian? When the emperor become a Christian, the entire empire become Christian. Are you with me? Are you with me? Now we know that as a church, we are not politically active. I don't believe a church should be politically active. Members can be politically active, but a church should not be politically active because we work for a different kingdom. But at the same time, as Christians, we need to pray for a child of God to be in White House in this country. Are you with me? I'm not saying X, Y, or C. It doesn't matter to me. Okay? But a child of God should be in the White House. You know why? Because when a child of God is in the White House, there will be prayer groups in the White House. When a child of God is in the White House, there will be Christmas carols in the White House. When a child of God is in White House, they will have Bible classes in White House. Are you with me? But if, a, if, a, if an unbeliever gets into White House, who says, I have no religion, I'm a socialist or whatever, okay? Um, and if such a person get into White House, you know what is one of the first things? He will cancel all Christian activities from taking place. Why am I saying this? Because you need people in high places to be in faith for the nation to be affected. Do you know how, how America became a Christian nation? Even though people now refuses to even address that in this nation that way. 
Because the founding fathers were Christians. When George Washington proclaimed, made the proclamation of uh, Thanksgiving, the first Thanksgiving, you know, he was standing on his knees as president of this country. He was standing on his knees and he was praying with folded hands. And then he read that proclamation. That's the story of this country. Amen. Now, recently I read so many spurious stories about Abraham Lincoln. They tried to portray Abraham Lincoln in a different, way, different color now because of all the nonsense that's going on in this country. But the Abraham Lincoln of history was a Bible-believing person. Amen. Was a child of God. Amen. So, because, because of people like that, America remained a Christian nation. America enjoyed the favor of God. So, I want to tell you to pray one way. Not, again, I'm saying X, Y, or Z doesn't matter to me. But say, Lord, make sure our next president is a child of God. Is a Christian. Is not a person will not be a person who takes steps against the Bible. Are you with me? Because there are so many court cases in this country, guys. You don't know. There are so many hundreds of court cases in this nation right now where they want to stop the Bible. They want to take out every biblical reference in this nation. Wipe out every single verse anywhere on this nation in public places. Do you know? So we need somebody who will stand up for the word. Amen. Only then a nation will change. Now listen. In Daniel chapter 2. Daniel chapter 2. Nebuchadnezzar said. Let's all pray to the God of uh, these Jewish boys. Let's all pray for Jehovah. That was one moment of inspiration for him. But he did not convert. He did not become a follower of Jehovah. And because of that, what do we see? In the next chapter, in Daniel chapter 3, he's erecting a golden statue himself and telling people to bow down before him and pray to him. So imagine the surprise of Daniel. Daniel probably thought, man, how can you do that? You saw the hand of God. You know what God did for you. And how God transplanted your dream into my mind. And allowed me to come up with the right explanation about that dream. And God already put you in the highest position in history. Saying that the future history will, or the world empires will start with you. How can you forget all of that? And take the place of that God. Or try to take the place of that God. But that's what Nebuchadnezzar did. In the next chapter. And you know the story. I don't have time to go through the details. So challenges will come again. Challenges will come again. And you have to stand for your faith again. Amen. When the challenges come again, what do you do? You stand up for your faith again. You put your trust in God. And you know in that story, Daniel was spared maybe because he was too high up a ladder. You know, he had already you know much higher position than the rest of his friends. But his friends were captured and they were brought before the king. And the king said, I will, I'll throw you in this furnace. You know, if you don't bow down before this image. And what did they say? They said, we know the God we serve. Amen. Amen. All this time, we stood firm in the knowledge of our God. And we still know the God we serve. And if he chooses, we know that God, God is able to spare us from you and also from the from fiery furnace. But if he chooses not to save us, it doesn't matter to us. Amen. But we will not compromise. We will not compromise. So, listen to me. Can you give me five more minutes? I'm almost done. In America, when I went to college in America many years ago, one of the phrases that I first heard in this country still stays with me. One of the professors said, uh, he was talking about going to big corporations. You know, we were all planning to go to big corporations and work for big corporations and all. And we were being prepared for that. So one day we were talking about the future and uh, one of the professors was giving, trying to give us pointers about how to survive the corporate culture. Because he said, this is a dog-eat-dog -dog world and you have to learn, know how to take care of yourself, etc., etc., etc. And then when he said... Uh, Every person has a price tag. 
that statement stuck in my mind is still in my mind he said every person has a price tag which means you can buy your somebody at a certain level for some people it may be a favor that you do to them for some people it's maybe bribery it's some people it may be taking them to bar and giving them you know plenty of liquor they want uh whatever so he said everyone has a price tag don't forget that when you go and work in a corporation so when things get tough for you or somebody is turned against you just watch them closely this was his advice not biblical advice <laughs> this was his advice watch them closely and try to figure out what is his price tag <laughs> if you can figure out what is his price tag then you can win him over by paying that price <laughs> this was his advice okay it has nothing to do with bible <laughs> absolutely nothing to do with bible but you want to know something we know our faith has a price tag you know king thought you guys came here as slave boys i showed mercy to you i realized you guys are smart so i put you in this royal academy at my expense and when you graduated from this royal academy i put you in high positions in my government look what all these things i did for you now in front of all this loud people or this large crowd you're going to despise me that's i'm sure that's the angle the king played that day you know all you had to do your job will be fine your future will be fine everything will be fine all you had to do is bow down before this image of me think everything i have done for you but this young man said sorry we respect you as our king we served you honorably but we cannot compromise our faith because god uh, because king even though you think you did all this for us it's not you who is ultimately in charge of our lives it is our god hallelujah one day you may be pleased with us one day you may give us promotion the next may you next day you may throw us in this fiery furnace so we cannot put our life into your hand we will follow our god we will trust our god let him take us wherever he want if he so chooses he can deliver us from this fiery furnace but if he don't deliver us we will not question him because he has been good to us amen so you have to think in your life what is your price tag at what level will you compromise your faith you have to have a a, a solid stand like this children of israel or this this young man shadrak meshach abednego that uh, you cannot buy me off i rather die than compromise amen hallelujah i will i will uh, i will quickly uh, finish my message lesson number 6 next the uh, last slide okay always someone else has the eyes upon your blessings am i telling the truth later in that chapter if you look at the book of daniel it's just 12 chapters the first six chapters are historical the last six, six chapters are prophetic all right and when we come to daniel chapter 5 and 6 you see that uh, now daniel uh daniel's faithfully served the babylonian empires emperors and then the empire changed hand the medo persian empire took over the babylonian empire and they, when they came in the scene they understood the value of daniel so they kept him in that same position later elevated him even higher okay so he because he was uh, he was faithfully serving the all the emperors but when the medo persian empire came on the scene listen to this when a new government comes in you know usually they fire all the old employees not the you know the office employees but the appointed employees they they fire them because they have a right to put their own people there so when they came in and they realized that their emperor is keeping daniel in the same high position this persian boys didn't like that because they said this is a jewish boy who came here as a slave why is he in this exalted position because this is our country now we rule now 
It should be one of us, one of these Persian boys, us Persian boys should be in this high position. And then they realize that there's nothing wrong to say about Allah's quality of work. He's exemplary in everything that he do. So they couldn't point their finger at him. And then they conspired and they realized, but he has one weakness. Remember what I said earlier? Everybody has a price tag. They realize that there's one weakness. This guy has one weakness. Because as a religious Jewish person, we see even though he's the prime minister of the land, when the time of prayer comes, he always takes time out for prayer. In the morning, noon time, and the evening, he always pray. He never misses the prayer. He doesn't care if it is in the office. He still prays. And then they realize that the only thing that we can find against him, only thing we can use against him, is his religious life, his faith. So they conspired again, you know the story, and they, they make their fake, you know, resolution that uh, all the people in the land should pray to the emperor for next 30 days. And you know the story. Daniel refused to do that. Even when, if, when he was a young boy, if he, if he refused to bow down before the idol, do you think as a mature man of God, now he's going to compromise? He didn't compromise. So you know the story, they threw him in the, in the den of the lion. This is the last thing I want to tell you. Okay. Guess what? All his life, Daniel was a man of prayer. Right? He started out of necessity, fasting and praying, to get this secret dream. And then it became a habit for him. So all his life, he was fasting and praying. You know, on the night Daniel was thrown in the lion's den, the king was fasting for him. Think about it. Think about it for a minute. The emperor was fasting for him. Listen, when you stand up for your faith, amen, oh, God has marvelous ways of rewarding you, amen. When you honor God, God has marvelous ways of honoring him. Amen. And the, and the emperor realized this, they did all this out of jealousy. And this man did nothing wrong. So the Bible says he refused to drink. He refused to eat. He refused to hear the music. You know what? Because he was fasting and praying for Daniel. And the next morning he rushed to the den of the lion. And he called out Daniel. He didn't say Mr. Daniel. He said, Daniel, man of God, did the God you serve all your life, was he able to deliver you from the mouth of the lion? You know, for a, such a high profile man, Daniel was such a humble person. You know how he answered? He just shared his testimony. He said, oh king, you know I have never done anything wrong to you. I have never done anything against you. And I have never done anything against my God. So my God came through for me. My God came through for me. So don't worry king, I'm okay. And then you know the rest of the story, the people who betrayed him was thrown in that, in that same lion's den and they were all torn apart by the lions. So listen. This is an old story. This is of a man who lived 2,500 years ago. But all these six life lessons that we learned today is real in our lives in 2019. Amen. So take heart. Take heart. These lessons that we learned today. If you stand up for God, God will stand up for you. If you honor God, God will honor you. If you keep your faith in the midst of all kinds of adverse circumstances, God will come through for you. Amen. Great is your word. Amen. Stand up for God. Amen. Let's all stand up in the presence of God and pray. Hallelujah. 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 Let's close our eyes before the Lord for a minute. Let us make up our mind. As we may face the not exact same situations, but similar situations in our lives where our faith will be challenged when the challenge for compromise will become real and sometimes unbearable in the midst of all of that let us pray lord give me the faith of daniel give me the strength of daniel give me 
spiritual fortitude like him daniel and his friends so that we will stand for our faith we will not betray you under any circumstances we will never compromise our faith oh father we will stand firm for your god and wait for your salvation because we know that when we stand firm amen you will come through for us we will see the salvation of the lord amen see the salvation of the lord is the message in the bible see the salvation of the lord if you are a child of god and you stand up for god you will get to see the salvation of the lord father we humble ourselves this day thank you father for bringing us into your presence o oh lord thank you for the valuable life lessons we learned today god and i pray father that we will keep it in secure in our hearts of father amen let it be written in the tablets of our hearts of father so that we will stand firm in the midst of adverse circumstances we will stand firm in the midst of compromises circumstances we will stand firm in the midst of challenges that come against us of father and we will glorify your name through our lives of father let our life be a shining light unto your glory of father i pray for every single person in gateway father all the people who are gathered here today and we also pray the people who are not here today father and i commit each one of them into the hands into your hands of father and i pray lord that you will watch over them of father you will protect them of father you will strengthen them of father especially during this month when they may come across so many compromising circumstances of father they will remember who they are they will remember who they are they will not forget who they are they will not forget that they are children of god you will they will not forget what you have done for them of father and they will all stand for you god and bring glory unto your name god glorify your name through all of us in jesus precious name we pray Amen 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 amen